Hawks bus. And you know, my whole family was there and, and it was just, it would have been really inappropriate. It was the right time for me to have the need to feel heard. That was the right time for me to take care of myself, to regulate my own emotions. And yeah, so step one was for me to allow myself to feel it. Welcome everybody to the podcast, Relationships. Let's talk about it. I'm Prebo Toplitsky. I'm a psychotherapist specializing in relationship issues. Everybody's got one. Partners, family, friends, coworkers, neighbors, relationships. Let's talk about it. Welcome everybody to this episode of Emotional Regulation. And I get to have another conversation with a frequent guest of mine and very good friend, Corey Costanzo. And Corey is a licensed addiction counselor. He is also a licensed massage and bodywork therapist, as well as a somatic therapist. And he is the co-owner with his wife, Robin, of Still Point Wellness, Asheville, North Carolina's premier wellness spa. And as I said, he is also one of my dearest friends who is a kind and good-hearted human being. I love Corey's calm and grounded presence, and I think that you will get a sense of that through his energy. So in this podcast, we talk about emotional regulation, which is all about identifying and managing and responding to emotions in a way that allows them to actually be useful aspects of our internal experience. And there's many ways to do that. One is through mindfulness, which Corey discusses, which enables us to become more aware observers of our experience. We also tell several personal stories, which emotional regulation comes up for us. And Corey talks about accessing choice to be able to regulate our emotions. In our conversation, we also talk about a simple concept, but not an easy one, choosing not to immediately become swept away by emotions, but again, mindfully pausing and actually being aware and noticing what we are experiencing. And Corey presents various coping skills that he has learned in his life and that he shares in his practice. And before we get on to this episode, I want to thank everybody that has been giving me feedback on the podcast, and I really appreciate knowing that this podcast has been beneficial to so many people. I love sharing this information and my knowledge, and so to put it out once again, I love talking about it. So if you or your organization has a need for seminars and workshops on various relationship topics, I would love to talk about offering my services in this realm. You can just go to the show notes for my contact information. Okay, everybody. Emotional regulation. Let's talk about it. All right, here we go with uh, another podcast with my buddy, Corey, man. Thanks so much for wanting to do this again with me and especially this topic of emotional regulation. Just even saying that word, people are probably saying, what the hell is emotional regulation? 
And that's a big part of the work that we do and especially a big part of the work that you do with people. So what would you say emotional regulation is? Well, first off, Prepo, let me tell you how happy I am to be back here. Back in the studio. On the podcast. Mm. Super excited to create this space again with you and knock around these ideas and brainstorm and talk about this stuff. So mm. emotional regulation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a concept that's very near and dear to my heart. And it's kind of turned into a practice for me, practice of discovery, practice of realization. And it's constantly changing and evolving and I'm getting more skillful as I age. The basic concept is that, you know, there are highs and lows, peaks and valleys of the emotional body. And the more I can learn how to regulate those emotions, the more I can learn how to move skillfully from a place of dysregulation into a place of uh, more groundedness and centeredness and regulated in my experience of that emotion, then the more I can stay in the present moment and not be beholden to the lack of choices that some really big emotions might present. Yeah. Yeah. I call it when we get hijacked, emotionally hijacked. It just takes us over. That's right. I love when you say the emotional body because that's key. It, the emotions are in the body. They're not floating out anywhere else. It's in the body. And we have to really recognize in the body what's going on so we understand that the, the emotions are residing there. There's a book by Candace Pert called Molecules of Emotion that really set me on this path of using body work as a way uh, to communicate with others and as a vehicle in my life to do work. What she did was she figured out that the emotions are literally biochemicals that get released by our brains that make us feel certain emotions. So when we're stressed out, it's the biochemical of cortisol that gives us the feeling of being stressed out. There's one for anger, there's one for joy, there's one for pleasure. So the molecules of emotion, yeah, and they're in our body. So I I just think that's so cool. When I'm feeling really angry, what it is is biochemicals coursing through my bloodstream. And I actually have the ability to control the release of those biochemicals and to also stop the release of those, those biochemicals and allow myself to release different biochemicals. That's some of the work that I've spoken about in the floating podcast, mm. something that I've tried to hone in my life through my sessions in the float tank. It's something that I'm constantly aware of and really trying to do in my own life and trying to teach and coach and uh, counsel my clients to do in their own lives as well. Mm. And I find that really interesting to think about. I've heard, and I sometimes make this discernment that feelings just come. We have no control over the feelings. Emotions is how we express our feelings, you know, the energy and motion. So even though we use them interchangeably, feelings and emotions, 
the real aspect of emotions is when we express the feeling. So I tell people, don't judge your feelings, man. Like, don't judge that your anger is there, it's there. What you have more management of and control over is how do you want to express that feeling? That's the emotion. That's right. The breath is a big regulator of that. Mm. That's the number one tool that I try to use myself is regulation of my breath, which helps to then in turn regulate my emotions. And uh, science corroborates this. If you look at the research out there, you'll find a lot out there about certain kinds of breathing styles and certain kinds of uh, breathing patterns. A very simple one is just elongating the exhale two or three times longer than the inhale. Right. Do that a few times and you're, you're gonna start to release relaxing biochemicals. Right. Yeah. I think I discussed that with Al Bailey on the podcast I had in breath, how important the exhale is because that's what kicks in and activates more the vagus nerve, the mm -hmm. nerve that goes from the internal organs to the brain, yeah. which then kicks in the parasympathetic nervous system is, is the elongation of the breath. And a lot of people, when you say take a deep breath, they end up going, <clears throat> they take this first huge in-breath, but it's really the out-breath that's gonna be the regulating apparatus. Yeah, yeah. so it should be more like give a long breath. <laughs> mm, there you go, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and you know, if you think about it, if um, if you're in danger and your you're fight or flight, sympathetic nervous system is kicked in, cortisol's coursing through your blood, your heart is beating really, really fast, you know, if you're literally running away from danger, you're not gonna be taking slow, smooth, long exhales. No way. Right? Mm -hmm. No. So it's a way to hack into the into the nervous system mm -hmm. is to consciously breathe or give a breath and breathe out longer and slower. Next thing you know, you're just chilling out all loosey goosey. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the biggest benefits or tools around emo emotional regulation in relationships. You know, this is one purpose that we're, when it comes to game time, sure, I want to do it for myself. I want to do it so I'm not freaking out. But it's the, one of the best benefits that I can work on for having a harmonious relationship. Because everybody knows when the conflict kicks in and anger and frustration and defensiveness goes back and forth, we're usually not focused on regulating our own emotions. What we want to do is we want to regulate the other person's emotion. We tell them, hey, calm down. And I've never experienced anybody to calm down when I told somebody to calm down. So it's not about regulating the other person. It's regulating us. Yeah. When I know that I am able to regulate my own emotions in some type of heightened state when I'm having a conflict, my response can be influential to the person I'm with, let's say my partner. How I regulate my emotion is helping our relationship do that. So that's the big one that I, that I just love that we're gonna get into is this actual co-regulation in relationships as well as our own individual regulation. It's so important for a healthy relationship is almost like playing on the same team Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I just had this image as you were as you were talking about that. And it's the image of two people in relationship to one another and they're bouncing they're bouncing a ball 
One's bouncing a basketball, the other's bouncing a tennis ball. One's bouncing it really, really fast. Let's say the uh, tennis ball bouncing really, really fast, the, ba the basketball bouncing really, really slow, right? So if, if I want you to bounce your ball at the same rate as what I'm bouncing my ball, which would be like co-regulation, I'm not gonna throw my ball at you. You know, I'm gonna just bounce my ball at the rate that I want to be bouncing together. Coherence. Yeah, coherence, and then I'm gonna look at you, and then I'm gonna be in relationship to you, and I'm gonna be in the resonance. I'm gonna be in the field with you. I'm not just gonna turn around and face the other way, because then that's not being in relationship, right? I could do that, but if I wanna stay in relationship, I look at you, I bounce the ball, and then you're more likely to start bouncing the ball at the same time. Yeah. So any examples of you like bouncing balls with your with your wife? I mean, we were telling some stories earlier about how regulation, emotional regulation can show up in our own life when we're hijacked in that way. Anything that's coming up for you? Well, funny you mentioned that. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> ah. <laughs> we had dinner tonight at Nine Mile. Am I allowed to say that? Absolutely, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I had this fantastic dinner at Nine Mile in West Asheville. We were telling, sharing some personal stories, and um, I got the green light for my wife to share this personal story for the greater good of, That's right. of relationships around the world, around the globe. That's right. She just said, don't make her into a bitch. That's <laughs> what she said. Don't call me a bitch. That's right. I assured her that it was going to be very tasteful. Hmm. Yeah, my wife's amazing. She is yeah, she anything is. but that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you know, I got home last night and I had I had planned a dinner, which I'm not the best planner, so I was very proud of myself for planning a dinner. And it was a very simple meal too. Uh, threw it in the slow cooker. It was going to be like a beef a beef stew, and I was planning on thickening it later on that evening when I got home. So it's slow cooked for like. 12 hours or so. So I get home and it just wasn't thickening up. So it more turned into like a bouillabaisse, like a beef stock with carrots and stuff like that. It was actually a really delicious soup and I was very proud of it. And then my family got home and nobody really liked the soup except me. And, you know, I was feeling a little, a little hurt. And I guess the rest of the family really didn't express what I felt in a kind way that they really liked the soup. And my wife started, uh, Robin, started thickening up a roux to add to it so that her and my daughter could, could experience a more stew-like consistency. <laughs> so we've got this ceramic-coated aluminum pan that once you scratch it, they say the aluminum could leach into the food. So it's best to use a silicone whisk when you're when you're doing it, we don't have a silicone whisk, so she was using a metal whisk, and I had asked her not to use the metal whisk. And did you ask her like that, honey? Don't use a metal whisk. How'd you ask? I probably don't use that metal. I <laughs> haven't I told you before? <laughs> no. I How many I times have I told you before? <laughs> don't use that freaking metal whisk. Huh? No, you didn't say that. I didn't say it like that, yeah. but. My mother thought that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
so her, her response was to basically hold a boundary with me and say, look, I don't think that I'm scratching. I think I'm doing it lightly enough, so I'm not going to stop. And my blood just started to boil. As a matter of fact, I'll just keep doing it right in front of your face. A little slower at that. <laughs> <laughs> so mad prepo, it was so hard. Talk about emotional dysregulation. Oh, if steam could have come out of my ears, it would have. And that's beautiful because it's those little things that couples really know sometimes just throws us off. The story that we play in, I'm not being heard, I'm not being respected. If you would just listen to me, boom, and then it just goes off. Yeah, so. yeah. So there I am seething, like literally seething in the kitchen. And every single whisk was like nails on a chalkboard. <laughs> and so... I started just really not like, just not having good imagery in my head. Like, I mean, there was just, there was not any kind of regulation of my anger that was, that was happening. And something just hit me. I just realized that I had choice in the matter. Ooh. Yeah. And I was like, I just started thinking rather than just seething in the anger, I started opening up to what choices I actually did have. And I came up with two choices. One was, oh, I could buy myself a new pan, put my name on it, and that's going to be my pan. My, my pan. My, my pan. I'll hang it in my closet. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody can use it. My pan. Actually, once I had that choice down, I didn't take myself or the pan situation so seriously. And that opened up to another choice that, oh, wait a second, I don't have to stay in the kitchen right now. So I just removed myself from the kitchen, went upstairs, watched a very disturbing show on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> to regulate. <laughs> yeah. And just really forgot about the whole situation. And, and my emotions just regulated right down to a totally manageable manageable place. How'd you get to the point from feeling it, feeling that much frustration and anger to all of a sudden realize that you had choice? Because I think that's where people, I don't have choice. I don't know. I'm out of my mind, right? That, that feeling, what practice is it for you that you actually uh, are able to access? Wait a second. I want to go a different route. I have a choice. For me, it was this sense of embodiment, feeling the emotion in my body. You allowed yourself to feel it. I allowed myself to feel it, right? So I was feeling those biochemicals course through my veins. I was feeling my heart beating. I was feeling my, my muscles tighten. I was feeling myself readying for the fight. You even said you wanted to do something physical, not necessarily to her, but just something physical you wanted to get it out. I wanted to get it out, yeah. If I was gonna get it out verbally, I would more get it out verbally. And, and you know, my whole family was there and, and it was just, it would have been really inappropriate. It was the right time for me to have the need to feel heard. That was the right time for me to take care of myself, to regulate my own emotions. And yeah, so step one was for me to allow myself to feel it. And then, um, you know, after a few breaths, mindful breaths, after allowing myself to feel it, that was when I came up with... Uh, fact that I could buy buy myself a new pan. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like the world was ending. You know, it wasn't like, you know, my family was gonna get poisoned. That second choice of leaving, I think that's always a good default for anybody to go. You can always leave. Like 
if you can't think of anything else, you can leave where you are because that could be one of the best ways to just really stop escalation. That's right. Yeah. So then today, Robin and I had our weekly couples counseling session. Had a boy. Yeah. It's like food for us, for sure. I don't think that I could do the work that I do and, you know, Robin could do the work that she does and, you know, running the wellness center and holding space for, for so many people that we do students and clients and family and, you know, and all that without getting our own support. So I go once a week to individual counseling. We go once a week uh, for couples counseling. I love it. You go. Good on you. love it. So today's session was really interesting because we got to process what happened last night in the kitchen. And what I realized was that we were both really, really full, really maxed out. We both had super long days. We both got home at around the same time. I was wanting to process some of my day with her. She didn't have the sense. She just came back from teaching. So she didn't have the space, although she wanted to listen, she she just didn't have it in her. And we were both maxed out. We were both really full. And what we realized was that there's other factors going on in the house also that, that added to our fullness. And it was almost like the cup runneth over. Yep. Right? So we were struggling with keeping the house organized and keeping the house tidy. And what we realized today was that that was a big source of stress for us. So, Which you know, wasn't named itself, right? It wasn't named. That's right. Yeah. That's right. You know, it's almost like when the mug is filled with stress, no matter where that stress comes from, there's no room for any more. That's right. Yeah. So it started to runneth over. And that was when the emotional dysregulation started to happen. It was almost like my body was a container and it just kept, it just couldn't contain the anger and the frustration that I was that I was feeling and the the hurtful feeling and it really wasn't the biggest deal like normally in a day you know you don't like my soup <laughs> no soup for you right you know yeah but last night it was different you know like because my cup was full I was overly sensitive right yeah and I think that's one thing that a lot of people don't do. They don't measure their own cup, you know. Is it nearing full? I know that I said this before that I used to let my cup just overflow and I didn't didn't register it. My wife is so good, she would even name my cup is getting full and she will go self-soothe. She will go take a bath, she will go walk in the forest. That was her emotional regulation is to measure and understand that she's getting before she's boiling over. And I really put it out to people because so many people run on the boiling over and they don't recognize that they're doing. They think that that's their baseline, their natural state. It is not our natural state. And so we need to be able to do things like self-soothe to be able to empty our cup. So that's a big one that we tell clients, self-soothe. And a lot of people go, what the hell are you talking about self-soothe? What, what do I do to self-soothe? Do I go take a drink? Do I go... No, there's so many different techniques. What what do you tell people to experiment with self-soothing? Sensation. Engaging the senses is a wonderful way to self-soothe. So right next to me, I've got this uh, faux fur pillow right now, and I'm just 
rubbing my hand over the pillow and being mindful about how that sensation feels on my skin. That's a way to sell. So you're only focusing on that because you're not focusing on the story, right? You're getting away from the story and you're right. focusing on the sensation. That's right. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's at the, uh, the foundation of mindfulness. Mm. Focusing your attention on the here and now in the present moment, being mindful about what I'm smelling, what I'm seeing, what I'm tasting or touching. And then there's another one, interoception. That's what I spoke about beforehand about body awareness. And that's where somatic psychology and somatic awareness, soma meaning the body plays in. So it's the sense of interoception is a sense of what I'm feeling inside my body. So like butterflies in the stomach would be a good example of interoception. Hmm. Yeah, wow. really feeling that and sensing that. And the more skillful I've become, the more practice I've done in sensing into what I'm feeling inside my body, then the more able I am to recognize the emotion and to regulate the emotion and to choose where I wanna be in that present moment and how I wanna be in the present moment. One thing that I do is I go to the bathroom and I splash water on my face just to feel a different aspect of sensation, a temperature change in my, in my body. Sometimes I put a hand on my heart, hand on my stomach, mm -hmm. on my forehead, so I can bring the blood flow to the to the neocortex. So I want to help people to realize they can self-soothe very easily more in the moment than it is having to go out and go find something to self-soothe. Because on the way there, that could be really detrimental. They can start really amping up. Yeah. yeah. I really appreciate those examples of how you self-soothe. And it makes me think of the importance in relationship to support my partner in self-soothing. So there'll be a lot of times when Robin and I will do that for one another and we'll notice it, we'll notice it. And well, it didn't happen last night, but, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, another thing that we did discuss in our session today was how important it is to support one another in those times when we're- Co-regulating. Co-regulating, when we're noticing that our partner is experiencing emotional dysregulation. You know, what do you need, sweetie? You know, is there any, anything that I can help you with right now? That's a wonderful way to co-regulate and co-manage one another's nervous systems yeah. and, and emotional systems. And if the other partner is able to ground themselves to, this is consent to, you, to talk to your partner, but there might be a moment that, of touch that will help because when we touch, a safe touch automatically brings the cortisol levels down. So whether it's a touch on, on the knee and the thigh or even my wife and I, sometimes we just ask, you want to share a hug, you know? Yeah. And I've been using that expression a little uh, differently lately. I just heard that, do you want to share a hug? Instead of, do you want a hug? Can I give you a hug? Mm -hmm. Very different, do you want to share a hug? Mm -hmm. You know, there's a different way of that consent, but that can very much, you know, help regulate that other person's anxiety or, and that gets away from, you know, we talked a little bit about how that, some people feel that that's maybe codependent or enmeshed, I'm taking care of my partner, I have to regulate them. It's about mutual emotional regulation, co-regulation, 
It's not about doing your partner's work for you. It's taking care of the relationship. I always talk about the relationship as a third entity. It's not just taking care of the person. It's taking care of the relationship. And especially if couples can talk about, hey, this happened yesterday, this happened last week. What's our do-over? What would we do differently to help each other regulate and come up with ideas and come up with risks that you can take and try that out? Don't just keep doing it over and over again. I think that starts with a plan. Yeah. And that starts with acceptance that it's going to happen. It's a part of being human and it's a part of being in relationship mm-hmm. that we're going to get get emotionally dysregulated. We're going to get into a fight. We're going to argue. We're going to disagree. One of us might be feeling one way, happy and excited. The other person might be feeling the exact opposite. And how can we support one another in that? And how can we have our differences and not be codependent on one another to where I can only be happy if you're happy. And if I'm angry, then you can't be happy or you get angry then because I'm angry. That's codependency. Co-management and co-regulation is mutually respectful. It's a great way to be in relationship. And that's the reason why we're talking about it today. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And even knowing that it is our responsibility to take care of our own apparatus, even though we're doing that in relationship with the other person. Because if I'm always looking to my partner, these other people of focusing on their dysregulation, then I'm, I'm going to be blaming them. I'm going to be judging them. I got to know, boy, I know I do. I go off and I, I lose it. What can I do with myself to be able to hold the space for them? Especially we know as parents, we can't expect our kids to regulate, we gotta do a lot of that regulation with that. And through our regulation, we become a model, an inspiration for our kids to hold that space. That's absolutely right. Hmm. Not only that, but part of the job of a parent is to help form and shape our children's nervous system. That happens through this modeling process. So if I'm a regulated parent, and if I know how to, how to regulate myself, then that is a form of wisdom that is being passed down to my children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. If I'm cool. a really anxious parent, my child is more likely to be anxious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're literally, we're, we're, we're like, you know, through mirror neurons. Talk about that the way a baby a baby learns is through mirror neurons. So we all have them. And when we smile at a baby and then the baby smiles back, that's because the mirror neurons in that baby's brain are working and doing what they're supposed to yeah. be doing. Adults do that through yawning. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So it's really, it's, you know, really important. Emotional regulation, I feel, is a vital piece of attachment work, a vital piece of attachment parenting, right? We have, we form these bonds with our children. We're biologically adapted and we've evolved in a way that passes down information to our children through our nervous systems. And it's called the attachment styles. And, you know, we can have a secure attachment with our children, where they feel an ease in coming and going. 
and they feel like we're a secure base for them to go and explore the world, or you know, we can have insecure attachment and some several different variations of insecure attachment where, where a kid can be um, really afraid that if they leave the parent, then the parent's not gonna, not gonna be there and the anxious attachment and then and then and then they become anxious yeah so it's this it's this really incredible uh, and, form of psychology yeah. and uh, modality of psychology this context and theory of psychology called attachment uh, styles that is really important for the for the field of psychology and that has to do with and so then we can do that with our partners the aspect of we're emotionally regulating, then we teach our partners that we're a secure attachment as opposed to avoiding, uh, that they know that they can't rely on us to come or that they're gonna be anxious and vice versa. That's yeah. right. Like um, growing up, I would get the silent treatment a lot when there would be conflict in my family of origin. And you know that set me up for insecure attachment as an adult. And it's really hard to be in conflict with Robin without getting that sense, that deep down sense. I've had to do a lot of work to undo this pattern of, okay, how can we be in conflict and still uh, have a deep solid foundation of when I see you in the morning, you know, are we still, are we gonna, are we gonna be cool? Are we gonna mm -hmm. process this? Are we gonna be able to work through this? Right. Yeah, so today was actually really, really, really big session for Robin and I. I was kind of joking with her when I, when I came home and I, you know, I told her that I felt like I'm more of an adult today hmm. because I really feel like we've weathered the storm. And we did that in a way that was, you know, it took a while, it took, I don't know, 12 hours or so. And also it was done in a graceful, loving, loving way that made me feel even more so in love with her and more so securely attached with her to know that when the misses happen in the future, which they will, mm -hmm. many of them will, that uh, we have it in us to you know, come back to one another. To and, repair. And to repair. Yeah, the repair yeah. is so, repair. You know, I love that, right? It's ah, like, that's right, I never yeah, thought of that. Exactly. Repair. And, if you don't learn the art of repair, then you don't get to come back into deeper aspects of connection and harmony. And so many couples experience conflict as a diversion to connection. They know that, well, we don't do conflict. Well, I hate conflict, so I'm gonna avoid conflict. No, I'm not gonna talk about it because we don't do well. Remember what happened last time when we brought it up? So they have these experiences, of course, through their upbringing, the either conflict avoiding or a very volatile conflict, they don't experience repair, therefore they don't understand that conflict is for understanding, as you just experienced what you just said, that your repair brought you closer within yourself of growing up and as an adult, mm -hmm. more loving to your wife, and now you have that experience that if you do have another disconnection, which of course you will, that you know that you can move through that. So the anxiousness of that disconnection is is not going to be the mainstay at all. You know the foundation is we know how to come back. It may take us a little bit, but we know how to come back and we will come back. And I think that's the secure feeling of attachment, knowing that we will come back together in connection as opposed 
to these abandonment uh, experiences that people have and it, it replays in their, in their relationship. That's right. The magic is in the repair and it supersedes the conflict. It actually makes a relationship stronger and deeper and more meaningful because then once I feel secure that we will repair, then I feel okay to express myself authentically and I'm not holding back. Yeah. What would you tell people if one partner is very volatile, like their their way of communicating their emotions is through anger and rage. So they're emotional regulation is totally off the charts. They, they don't know how to do it. What steps would you help with that, with that person? I would say the first step is awareness. So awareness practice. And what a wonderful way to experience awareness practice is with a conscious, uh, non-judgmental, non-partisan third party, mm -hmm. i.e. a therapist, right. a counselor, or that's, I think, the cream of the crop in terms of you know a couple that's experiencing yeah. that level of disconnection and inability to really enjoy the fruits of a healthy relationship. Yeah, I would say get some counseling. Right now, put it on the other partner to have to do that work because I know that you're a huge advocate of Al-Anon for that other partner, for the other partner that's not, you don't do that person's work. You don't do your partner's work for them. And so you really recommend that other person to really seek that aspect of having a independent understanding of themselves compared to being so enmeshed and constantly worrying or thinking about what the other person is doing and checking up on how they're doing and walking on eggshells. So I think that that's great that that person that we're just talking about, this hypothetical person that doesn't regulate at all, doesn't know how, that they have to seek their own work. Their partner's not there to do it for them at that moment. That's right. Whether it's individual counseling or couples counseling, whether it's Al-Anon, whether it's some other form of group counseling, the more work the individual parties can do in that relationship and the more work that the couple can do also. Meditation retreats could hmm. be Headspace meditation app daily. You know, this like some sort of awareness practice where, where the person is starting to become aware of these patterns and aware yeah. of how they're affecting their relationships and their families and their and their self and people have to slow the fuck down right we have to slow down so we can become aware of what's going on we have to say no to things and not just pile on our shit so that we're not even giving time to understand what's going on with ourselves so many people don't take that time to even have that aspect of awareness and know what's going on they're piling their life so busy and they're thinking that that's what they're supposed to do. And then that cup runneth over, as like you say, and then they have no space to be able to have that awareness. So to me, I tell people, whoa, 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 slow what's happening in your life. You know, take those moments, even quick pauses, you know, every hour if you can. Here's the beauty of that, is that I could start to recognize when my emotions are starting to get out of the range of tolerance, mm. above the range of tolerance, or below the range of tolerance if 
somebody experiences, you know, like not everybody gets angry, you know, right. some people freeze, some yeah. people get depressed, some yeah. people get apathetic, some people go. run, some people retreat into themselves, you know, on a, on a continual basis. Let me pause, because that's really good to say that emotional regulation, we're not just talking about anger. We're not just talking about regulating anger. We're talking about the spectrum of emotions that people are deregulating. That's right, flooding. You yeah. know, could be sadness. Yeah. You know, could be positive emotions also. You know, sometimes some. Uh, I, Mania. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mania. That's right. Yep. And, um, you know, sometimes I've worked with. I've worked with somebody uh, who was inappropriately um, flooding with emotions when he was, you know, on a movie set, film, filming a movie, you know, and, um, you know, he's trying to do his craft and trying to work. And, you know, here he is uh, being flooded with, with emotions. And that was no bueno for the director and for his job. I had to work with him to help him figure out how to regulate. Did he freeze in that, in that? Flooding? No, it wasn't freeze. What was it? No, it was an outpouring of mm. emotion. Oh. Yeah, so if the scene was, there wasn't supposed to be any tears in the scene, mm. but then a lot of tears would come mm. without being able to hold it back. Mm. Yeah, it was a problem. Mm -hmm. You know, there's another aspect that I think is so important is that I have to understand my tolerance of my own emotions to be able to witness somebody else's emotions. If I'm not good with my own tears, the hell if I'm gonna be witnessing and be able to witness somebody else's. So the same thing with other emotions, whether it's anger or even my freeze, if I'm judging mine or if I'm not comfortable with mine, I'm not gonna be comfortable with yours. So I think that's a big one in partnership is to not judge our own emotional states, how they are, but become more aware of it so that we're not judging also our partners. Cause that's a big one comes in. You shouldn't be doing this. That's wrong. Instead of being one more curious, more interested of what's going on. Maybe not at that moment, we might have to protect ourselves, but to be inquiring after what's going on with that person and curiosity to hold that space. So that's also, I think a part of the understanding of emotional regulation is understanding our capacity to hold our own emotions so that we can have the capacity to hold somebody else's or at least witness it. For sure, Prepo, for hmm. sure. So this is a good good topic for people you know, to really pay attention to because everybody knows that that's one of the biggest deterrents around working to connection is when conflict comes or when thoughts come that create emotional dysregulation that people aren't so good at regulating their own emotions. And we judge that instead of practice. There's so many things that we could put in practice. You know, we hear meditation is, is a wonderful way. Yes, and meditation has this kind of connotation of how long it's gonna take and you know, only spiritual people do it or it's gotta be a practice. Ah, screw that. Exactly. Yeah. Meditation is in all kinds of things. Just breathing for a few minutes. Yeah. Looking out. One way to emotionally regulate is to get away from the story and start looking at the wall and say, ah, pink wall, fuzzy blue couch, a green thing of that in the corner is to bring our awareness back to the present moment That's right. without a story. That's regulating because we're out of the story. And 
I feel like creating a context like what we're doing right now with just talking about the concept of emotional regulation, that it exists, the concept of like zones of tolerance, like, all right, in the middle, that's, that's the zone of tolerance. Anything above that, and I'm dysregulated, right? That can help to open up choice just by naming something. I'm feeling emotionally dysregulated right now. Ah, okay. Hmm. Now, now you're opening up possibility for some choice. Yeah. Choice. We always got choice. That's right. Yeah. Well, thanks for choosing to do this topic with me. And maybe we can go up and make some soup. And I'm going to go ahead and uh, see you whisk your soup with your plastic uh, whisker. And it's that booyah base. Booyah base. All right. <laughs> Thanks, bud. Enjoy All right, it. Prepo. See you next time. Yeah, man. Relationships. Let's Talk About It is a production of HeartShare Counseling and Consulting PC of Asheville, North Carolina. For more on licensed counselor Prepo Teplitsky, visit heartsharecounseling.com. Theme music by Adi the Monk. This content is intended for informational purposes only is not a substitute for professional counseling and psychotherapy, medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, and does not constitute medical or other professional advice. Relationships, Let's Talk About It, is produced by Oxbus. You can create your own professional podcast today faster and easier. Try it for free at oxbus.com. That's A-U-X-B-U-S dot com. Oxbus.